0: Well, it looks like, based on what's being said, that college football is going to happen. Which, for me, I I, I gotta have it. Like I need it. Like I have been watching replays. I've been uh, or, or like games of like two, three, four, five years ago. I am just dying for some sports, especially football. If they take football away, I mean I mean it's. It, oh my God! I, it's gonna be. It's gonna be insane. I, st- I started though I started thinking about the Clemson Carolina rivalry specifically though, because I kind of got nostalgic this week and I was thinking about all the games that's been played between Clemson and Carolina. and um, I'm just kind of trying to figure out what I got in the room. Um, and so how many people in the room are Clemson? You're, you're Clemson fans? Okay, yeah, okay That's good. good. How many people are Carolina fans? Yeah so at the end of the service, we always have an invitation where you can give your life to Christ and um, <laughs> makes all things new. anyway. Uh, so I, the reason I was asking is because over the past, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, there's been some great games played between Clemson and Carolina, but the game, the Clemson Carolina game that left me the most disappointed. I mean, I'm talking the game I hated the absolute most. It wasn't when you guys went on like a little streak and beat us for five years in a row that th- those were horrible, but it wasn't the worst. The worst game ever between Clemson and Carolina that I ever had to sit through, watch, and endure was in 1986. Some of you are alive. Some of you have to go Google this to figure out I'm telling the truth. In 1986, some of you will remember that Clemson and Carolina, the game ended in a 21-21 tie. And... That's the most disappointing thing in the world. As a Clemson, a Carolina fan, y'all are probably happy with us. But like Clemson fans, we like to win. And so I can remember, I can remember the game being over, and and at the time there was no overtime rule in college football, so you couldn't go into overtime. And a lot goes into a Clemson Carolina game, like families like divide, like people get written out of wills because they pull for the wrong team. All right, you know you're arguing. People spend money, they host parties, people gather, they watch it on television, a lot of hype around the game, and at the end of the game, it ended in a tie, and I just remember after the game, walking around, looking at Carolina fans going, eh, like, do you say great job, or congratulations, or next year, or whatever, it just felt, it felt so incomplete as a football fan to finish in a tie like there there has to be something more that's the way I felt the very first series I ever binge watched now binge watching is popular now because we got streaming and stuff, and because of the quarantine we the, if it would' have been for the quarantine, the Tiger King, nobody would even know who that guy is but but the quarantine made that guy famous um but the first series that I ever binge watched ever wasn't on. Uh, Netflix or it wasn't on Amazon Prime or Hulu. It was somebody gave me a box DVD set. This is old school, right? Y'all remember DVDs? Um, somebody gave me a box DVD set of the series Lost. And they said, you need to watch this. And I was like, I don't know. I just, no, 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 trust me. Trust me. And they said, just watch two or three episodes. If you don't like it, you can just give it back. Okay, when I when I tell you I went in, I went in. I, I can remember it being two o'clock in the morning. I had to get up at six and I'm like, I think I can get one more in. I think I, I know, I, ooh, but I, I got to figure out where that polar bear came from and what the smoke monster is all about. I, I, I'm not sure. And I can remember I watched the first season. I was like, ah, and the second season, a little bit, third. And then the last episode of the last season of Lost, I cried. And here's why I cried, not because it was awesome. It's because I knew I would never get that time back that I wasted watching Lost. I was like, there's got to be, you got to be kidding me. There's got to be more to it than this. It can't end this way. And the reason I bring all that up is to say that some of us feel that way sometimes when it comes to life. Like, if somebody would to ask you 5 or 10 or 15 years ago where you would be at this point in your life in 2020, you're you're not where you thought you would be. In fact, you're well short of it. You're not doing what you thought you would do. Maybe you're not even with who you thought you would be with. Maybe things have turned upside down and you're looking at the condition of your life and you're saying, I expected more. Things shouldn't be that there's got to be more to life than this. I've got to be there's got to be something going on that gives me more to look forward to in life. And if that's you today, today's message I feel like it's going to be just for us. Notice I put us, it's going to be exactly what we need let me, let me let me set it up this way if you're a bible person you've heard of a guy named elijah now elijah is an old testament prophet and he did some pretty powerful miracles um he he in fact he did 14 14 miracles scholars have tracked it out he did 14 miracles Now i was talking about this with somebody and they're like 14 not a lot i'm like well how many how many miracles you done how many i mean you pulled off huh so so 14. And by the way, one of those miracles was when he called fire down from heaven. He literally called fire down from heaven. Personally, I would like that miracle. I would like that at Cle- on Clemson Boulevard at about rush hour. I would love to be able to call fire down from heaven. That's part of my dark heart that I'm just revealing to you right now. Anyway, so so he, he did 14 miracles, and he's getting ready to, to die. God's getting ready to take him to heaven. So he asked Elisha, which is kind of like, the prophet in training is the guy he was kind of turning the ministry over to. He asked Elisha, he said, you know, what do you want God to do for you? Like, what do you want God to do? And Elisha said, well, I want double your blessing. And in, in other words, if you did 14 miracles, I want to do 28 miracles. And Elijah was like, well, that's a, that's a big ask, 28. I mean, 14 was, 14 was huge, but 28, I mean, I don't know. But ultimately, God confirms that Elisha is going to do double what Elijah did. Because 28, half of it is 14. 14, double it, is 28. So God promised Elisha 28 miracles. Now, I'm going to ask you, this is not a setup, it's an easy question. How many miracles did God promise Elisha? I just told you. 28. Not very confident, but that's okay. 28. 28 miracles. So, Elisha goes through his life. He goes through his ministry, and he's at miracle number 27. Now, he's at 27, but God promised him how many? 28. So, he's at 27. He's done 27 miracles. He knows He's got a little bit left. He's got something to look forward to. He's super excited about this next phase in his life. And this is what the writer of Scripture tells us after he's done his 27th miracle. Then Elisha died and was buried. Oh, snap. That sucks to be him, right? Like, you're you're ready for the miracle? You're like, here it comes. Oh, oh, oh. If you're watching this on a movie. He, it seems like it seems like it's it's just over because because this is kind of crazy. He's at, he's at twenty seven. He was so close. He was so close, and God had promised twenty eight. But then he dies. So on the surface, it's over. On the surface, this is what we're this is this is the temptation, especially among Christians. Well, he got close. God. I mean, he didn't he didn't quite get there, but he got close. And, and we fall into the trap. Don't miss, it. don't miss this. One of the greatest temptations for Christians today is to settle for less than what God promised us. It's a huge temptation. But, see, if God said 28, we should never settle for 27. Settling is that thing that we're tempted to do because we don't think that God's going to come through. I, I can remember when I, my first attempt at a marathon, I ran 22.6 miles and passed out and dehydrated and didn't finish. And I had people come when I came back and they were trying to be nice. They were trying, they were like, you guys so close. You should just go ahead and get that 26.2 mile sticker and put it on your car. I'm like, no, no, I didn't. My goal wasn't to get close. My goal was to finish the race. That was the goal. I don't want to settle. I don't settle when it comes to certain things like when it comes to food, I don't settle. I'm very particular about my food. Now, this week, I'm going off the wagon. This is my birthday week. I'm eating all kinds of stuff. I might even eat a burger. It's going to get crazy. I'm just eating. I went to a friend. I went to, a, with, to dinner with a friend one night, though, and um, it was awesome because it was a fancy restaurant. And he was the kind where they roll the car out and they show you all the steak. get. You, you, I'm like, and this one came from Nebraska. I'm like, I don't care where it came from. And we fed it grass. I'm like, okay, it's great. As long as it didn't smoke the grass. In fact, if he smoked the grass, I don't know. Is it legal in Nebraska? I have no idea. Anyway, so he's kind of walking through all this stuff. And then he comes back to the table at the end of the meal and he goes, anybody having dessert tonight? And my friend was like, nope. I was like, speak for yourself. I'm having to what you got. And for some reason, that night, I was craving chocolate. Now, I, mean, I don't always love chocolate desserts, but that particular night, I was craving something chocolate. And he said, oh, my gosh, we got this one dessert, and it had dark chocolate, and white chocolate, milk chocolate, and mousse, and, and whipped cream, and it had an Oreo crust, and all the chocolate all the chocolate in the world. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, yeah, br- bring me that right there. And he was like, yes, sir. And so I'm sitting there talking. He brings it out. He sets it in front of me. And it looked awesome, except for this raspberry sauce. There's a red sauce on it, and I was like, "Oh, I said, well, I said, there's. Did you spill something on this?" He's like, "No, no, 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 sir. That's that's raspberry sauce." I was like, "Oh, you didn't, you didn't say anything because, listen, time out. Don't put fruit on chocolate. <laughs> you're messing. Oh, I love fruit on chocolate. You're weird. Stop it. <laughs> chocolate is. You know what you're supposed to put on chocolate?" More chocolate and whipped cream. That's it. No fruit. And so I just told him, I was like, well, what? Because, see, I'm not settling. It's my, it's my dessert. So I told him, I said, I'm so sorry. You didn't say anything about the raspberry sauce. You just take that back to the kitchen, and you just bring me another one, and I'll just eat it. And he looked at me. He was like, sir, at this restaurant, this dessert comes with raspberry sauce. I said, all right. Well, at this restaurant, this guy don't leave a tip if you don't bring the restaurant. And so he changed his heart. It was really incredible how you have a heart change. But I wasn't going to settle. I wasn't going to settle because I knew that there was something better than what he had put in front of me. And with somebody here today or somebody watching online, you know what? There's something better for you than what the world is putting in front of you right now. But this right here, Elisha died and he was buried. Well, I guess we got to settle for 27. Not if God said there's 28. We don't have to settle for anything less than God's best. Period. So with that in mind, let me ask you this question. In what area are you of your in your life are you the most tempted to settle? Now what I started to do is I started to kind of List out like the top five areas where most Christians or most people just settle in general. But here's the reason I didn't do that. I'm a box checker. I'm sure we got some box checkers in the room. You'd be like, okay, don't struggle there, don't struggle there. Okay, all five, I'm good. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted for you to just sit and feel the tension, by the way, that I felt all week, of what area or what areas in your life are you settling in the most right now now if you leave here today and you tell the person that you're with i hope you heard that because you know you just completely missed the point <laughs> you completely you you're, you are not the holy spirit leave that person alone this is what area or areas in your life are you settling or are you the most tempted to settle it's a big deal because God's called his children to do a lot of things, but he never called us to settle for less than his best. So, but I know, I feel the, I feel the tension, I feel the pushback. Okay, okay, Pastor P, I get it, but, but he died. How does this work out? I don't know, let's keep reading. Let's go, we'll figure it out. Groups of Moabite raiders, Moabite raiders, it's, it's tough to keep up with the raider's. Because they're in Oakland, and then they're in L.A., and then they're back in Oakland, and now they're in Vegas, and here they're in Moab. So they've moved around a lot. They've been all over the place. That was a football joke, if you didn't get out. It's Father's Day. I figured I'd throw that in there. Dad jokes. So groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring, each spring. So when did they invade the land? They invaded it in the... And the spring, that's kind of, isn't that kind of unique? Where, where Spring is where things come to life. And spring is where things begin to bloom. And th- spring is where you kind of get hope again because you just went through the fall and you just went through the winter. And spring is a reminder that life is coming around. Isn't it funny that the enemy always tries to attack us right when we're about to experience a breakthrough? The enemy is always trying to raid our lives right when we're about to experience something that we've never even imagined. So here come the raiders. And they're coming in the spring, and then, (laughs) I love this verse, Once when some Israelites were burying a man. Now, we've all been to a funeral, and there's there's solemn occasions, right? I've never been to a happy funeral, never been to a happy one. And I know somebody probably has, but I wasn't there. Um, By the way, I want to know what you were getting served before you walked into that funeral, right? Because funerals are a place where you tell lies, right? He was such a good man. That guy? Yeah, he was so good. Oh. Am I in the right place? What is his name? Let me compare programs, Like, right? But it's it's a place where you show up with your friends. So I'm just imagining this guy that died. We don't know his name. We'll just call him Frank it's just, because I called him Frank in the other two services. we we'll just call him Frank. So Frank's dead, and his guys, can you imagine his buddies are there, and they're kind of burying him, and Frank was a good guy. Yeah, man, just... I'm going to miss Frank. It never called him, but I'm going to miss Frank. He's man, God, you remember that time he showed up at the party and he was wearing the lampshade as a hat? Yeah, I miss that, man. It's going to be awful. So they're burying Frank. They're trying to be solemn or whatever. And then they notice, <laughs> notice that the raiders, watch this. Once when some of the Israelites were banging, man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled man, Frank, we're so, man, God, it's, you know, let's say a couple words, uh, oh, oh, you know what, Frank, we got to bounce, and it kind of took off, just left him, because the raiders were coming in. Now, I started thinking about what are the main areas that the enemy tries to move in and raid something from our lives, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. What are the main areas the enemy tries to move in and raid from our lives? And I came up, I could have listed more, but I came up with three. The first area is our faith, our confidence. Like the enemy wants, listen, one of the most intimidating things in the world for the enemy is for a follower of Christ to be filled with faith and confidence. And can I just be honest and put my cards on the table? Isn't it difficult some days just to have faith? Okay, Three people were with me. The rest of y'all got great halos this morning. I'm, ta- I'm talking we all. I remember, it's not just with Christianity. It's, I remember the very first time. Now, some of you aren't going to remember this. Some of you will remember this event in your life. The very first time I ever went to a Starbucks. It wasn't in Anderson because we just got one last week. Dear God, it took forever. Um, I was out of town. I think I was in Los Angeles. I've been trying to think where I was the whole time this morning. I think it was in Los Angeles. And I was with a friend of mine. We were doing a ministry event. And he was like, hey, you want to go to Starbucks and get some coffee? And I was like, sure. I did not know what Starbucks was. I had no idea. Now, up until that point in my life, this is how I ordered coffee. I would walk up to the counter and I would say, I would like a cup of coffee with cream and sugar. A little bit of cream, a little bit of sugar. And they would say, okay. And they would punch it up on the cash register and they would say, that will be 50 cents. Not the rapper. <laughs> Everybody in the club don't. Okay, sorry, sorry. That song's been <laughs> stuck in my head all day. I, I don't listen to it. I was in Philip's car last week. He was playing it. Um, but, <laughs> but that's how easy it was. And my friend didn't tell me what I was about to walk into. So I walk into Starbucks and there's people everywhere. I've never seen this many people at a, at a, coffee, sh- at a coffee shop. We live in South Carolina. A coffee shop was the Waffle House. That was the coffee shop. For some of y'all, it still is, which is great. So I walk up to the cash register. Could have, my friend could have warned me, could have prepped me, could have done something. I walk up, and the person behind the counter, they call this person a barista. I, I thought that was her name. I was like, hey, barista, how you doing today? It's good to see you. Um, I, I would like a, I'd just like a small coffee with some cream and sugar. She said, okay, sir, so that's a tall coffee. I was like, nah, I want a small. She said, sir, small is a tall. I said, no, it's not because I'm tall and I'm not small. <laughs> I know this is L.A., but she can't play this game with me. She said, sir, we use Italian size. And I'm like, this is America. <laughs> so finally, we talked about it. I was like, okay, tall coffee. She said, and what do you want? It? I said, cream and sugar. She said, cream. I said, yeah. Is the milk, okay. She said, yeah. So what kind of milk do you want? Oh, uh, what, what, what are my options? Well, you got, you got whole milk. You got 2% milk. You got skim milk. You got soy milk. Uh and I'm try to be skinny, so just put the skim milk in there, okay? Sir, what kind of sugar would you want? Dear God, or what, 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 what kind of sugar would you want? What are your options? Sir, we got, like, raw sugar. We got cane sugar. We got real sugar. We got sweet and low. We got stevia. We got splenda. We, well, and we got equal. Uh, w- what would you pick? Stevie, okay, yeah, you just put that in there. Sir, would you like a shot of espresso? Dear God, I, I, yeah. will it get it to me faster? Yeah, just throw one in there. Just throw one in there, okay? Sir, is that all? Dear God, I hope so. That'll be $4.87. I'm not buying their coffee. I'm about, it, it, it robbed me of my faith and confidence in my ability to buy coffee. The same way that going to Cracker Barrel robs me of my faith and confidence. Every time I play that stupid triangle game trying to jump the little things, and I always qualify as the ignoramus, right? Yeah. world's trying to tear me down. Can't even go to Starbucks or Cracker Barrel. But the same thing is true in our relationship with Jesus. Jesus, the last thing he wants us is to have faith that he can do the impossible. Faith that he can do miracles. You know how I know? By the prayers we pray. We can ask God to do impossible things, and we ask him for a parking place at Target. Dear God, I'm believing you right now in the name of Jesus that you're going to pray. Listen, let's be honest. We need to get those steps in. We've been in quarantine. We're fighting the quarantine 15. We need to get those steps in today. Why, why do we pray? And I, I'm, I'm not preaching to you. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking with you. Why do we pray for such small things? It's because the enemy has raided our faith and our confidence that God could do the impossible. If God said 28, he meant 28, not 27. We don't settle as God's children, period. The second thing that he tries to steal is the enemy tries to steal is our ambition. Now. This is where I need to talk to you for just a second about the great American lie. I've talked about this for years. I'm going to talk about it. It bothers people, but it's true. Here's the great American lie. We tell this to our children. You can do anything you want to do, and you can be anything you want to be if you just believe in yourself and try really hard. Don't that sound great? Set your kids up for failure. Way to go, mom and dad. And I know some of you are pushing back right now. You're like, no, 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 I believe that. Really? You believe you can do anything? If you just try hard and believe in yourself? Have you watched the auditions for America's Got Talent? (laughs) Somebody told that boy he could sing. Somebody told that boy he could dance. And he went on national television and made an idiot out of himself. You know why? Because somebody told him, you know what, son, if you just believe in yourself. <laughs> it's the same thing with me. If, if, somebody, if somebody would have told me, if you just believe in yourself, try really hard, you could play baseball. I'd be broke. Because I can't, you, you got to have certain things in order to play baseball. Hand-eye coordination, I have neither. Athletic ability, I have Zero. So while it's not true that you can do anything you want to do, if you just believe in it, hey, let me tell you what is true. You can do exactly what God called you to do. And don't miss this. God created you to do more than the world expects of you. God created you to do and accomplish way more than this world ever expects of you. You are able to do immeasurably more through his strength. So, so we shouldn't let the enemy steal our ambition. You know, another um, organization that's under attack against ambition is the church, period. Like, it's okay for businesses to want to grow. It's okay for organizations to want to grow. But you let a church want to reach more people, and my God, somehow we get labeled as bad. And I just think, if te- like, if it's okay for Tesla to want to put... A man on Mars which I don't know if it'll ever happen if it does I volunteer to go I'm an introvert and they need Jesus up there anyway but like I if they ever do let me tell Let me make you a promise what Tesla and Amazon and Starbucks these great companies are doing let me make you a promise in a hundred years they'll be in the history books and we will have moved on and it won't matter what they're doing but in a hundred years what the church is doing will matter because it's gonna affect our children and our grandchildren and their children it's gonna matter so, I think if we are going to dream, we need to dream big. The other thing that the enemy wants to steal from us are relationships. Now, this COVID 19 thing has affected some relationships. Some of you men used to tell people you loved your children, and you did. You did until you spent time with them, right? Y'all want to know the condition of our country in 20 years? We're in trouble because we're going to have all homeschooled children schooled by day drinkers. That's exactly, that's a thank you COVID-19. Oh, I just read somebody's mail. Some of y'all didn't laugh. Y'all, how did he know? How did he know? But people have gotten mean during this COVID-19 thing. Have you noticed? I was in traffic the other day. I was behind this... I was behind a Buick. Problem number one. <laughs> some, of, some of y'all are like Buick owners are gonna get upset. They don't even know about the internet. Okay, so I'm, I'm just telling you, I was behind a Buick. And there was a woman in her Buick. It's me. There's it a woman in Buick, me. And the light turned green. Now, when the light turns green, you go. And she did not go, which I was like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be patient for about a second, because light was green. And so I, 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 wrestle, I wrestle with a little bit of road rage. I don't know if anybody here, you probably, you, you probably know somebody that does, but I, I have it a little bit. And so I, was, I did my first sign when I'm dealing with road rage. My first sign is I always just hold my arms out like this. Because I'm expecting them to look in the rearview mirror and go, oh, the person behind me has a problem. I'm obviously not doing something right. I need to correct it. So I'm I've got my arms like this, eyes like this, and the woman in front of me is not, you know what? She's not moving. You know why? She's she's on her jitterbug. <laughs> I just call it like I see it. And so, so my patience has run out. So at this point. What do I... What, what's my next step as a driver that experiences road rage, but I'm trying to hold back. What's my next step? The hold the horn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, God. We are in a support group now. It went from church <laughs> to support group real fast. So I'll hold the horn, and when she looked in the mirror, I did my hands like this, thinking this would speed up the process. This little old lady in front of me then puts her hand up and starts removing <laughs> fingers... I won't show y'all which one, but you all it's the international peace sign for your number one. I was like, my God, we have lost our... I just got flipped off by an old lady in a Buick. Isn't it hard to love some people? It's hard to love some people. We all have people right now in our phones that when they text us or call us, we're like, "Woo!" And other people, when they text or call, we're like, oh, dear God, I need to change my number. But let me tell you something about the enemy. He's going to come after the relationships that are important to you. If you've got someone, if you've got a circle of friends, you've got somebody close, the enemy's going to come after that relationship always, always. Came after the relationship. These guys are and Frank. Next thing you know, they just left him. They just abandoned him. Gone. And so what do you do? What do you do when you're in a situation where you feel like God promised 28, but you're at 27, and you can't see 28? What what do you do when you feel like the Raiders are coming against you, and you've got nothing? What do you do if you feel like, Frank, the Raiders are coming against you, you've been abandoned by all your friends, you've been forgotten, you've been buried? Because when you're buried, when you feel like you're buried, you have no hope. And I believe with all my heart that God wanted someone to hear this today, someone to take this to heart, that you haven't been buried, you've been planted, and there's a difference. See, when you're buried, you're forgotten by most people. I mean, some people remember you, but like, by, but most people, they just go on with their own, own normal lives. When you're planted, you're actually cared for and nurtured. And though it seems like people may have not been caring for you or nurturing you, as we talked about a few weeks ago, God grows some incredible things in the dark. If you've been buried, you begin to decompose. If you're planted, you begin to spring forth life. If you're buried, you're forgotten. If you're planted, you can't be ignored because you're going to break through that ground and one day become immeasurably more than it was all, all that was sown into the ground. And there's somebody here today, you feel buried, forgotten, and alone. And my friend, you have not been buried. You've been planted. There's no way. There's no way. 28 can happen because he's dead. But the writer of Scripture tells us, but as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Don't you love that? So so as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, so he's been in there a while because the bones were there. He'd been there for a while. It seemed like the promise wasn't going to come through. But God promised 28. God promised 28. He died at 27, but God's promise still came through. And God said, if I said I was going to do it, I'm going to do it. God came through even when circumstances said it was impossible. And I love the guy that got thrown into the tomb. The the Bible says, as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. I love that. I love that. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to lay here with the dead people. I got forgotten. My friends threw me in the grave, and they just ran off without me. Nobody I, I died one time I, I went through some tough times He didn't he could have been a victim and laid in the grave But as soon as his body touched the bones of Elisha, he popped to his feet and said I'm alive I'm alive. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost He didn't care if the Raiders were still coming against him. He's like hey y'all can come against me if you want, baby I've died once I'll die again God will keep bringing me back to life because I serve a God that can do the absolute impossible And I'm telling you, if God could do it for this guy, he can do it for you, he can do it for me. Because there's some people in this room, you should have been in the hospital today. You should have been in the ground today. You should have been in another place, but God brought you back to life. He touched your body. You have not been buried. You've been planted. And at the end of the day, he really does turn graves into gardens, graves into gardens, graves into gardens.